As a publisher, do you spend a lot of time thinking about how to wrestle control over your tech stacks? Then we have a summit coming up for you. Join us at the Digiday Programmatic Media Summit in New Orleans, Louisiana from November 13 to November 15. We're hosting publishers from across the industry to talk about what they're doing in their newsrooms to tackle the challenges that Programmatic presents. It's three days of great ideas, discussion groups, and more. Register now at digiday.com slash events. And we're giving a $200 discount to our podcast listeners. Just apply the code podcast at checkout. This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sango. This week, we're playing sessions from our Digiday Publishing Summit, Europe in Berlin, Germany. Media is under scrutiny like never before. From spoof domains to ad fraud to fake news, it's hard to tell what is real and what is not. We explored how publishers can use trust to better control their futures, from the duopoly and the race to the bottom. All of the media world now faces the programmatic transformation. Should publishers resist or should they give in? Daniel Spears, programmatic director of The Guardian, will argue in this session that you need to be involved. So I'm Danny Spears, I'm programmatic director at The Guardian. Um, and, and as uh, I'm here to present Moving the Market and uh, the Path to Programmatic Transformation and why you need to be part uh, of it. Uh, now, I've been at The Guardian for over 10 years. Uh, and all that time ago when I started, uh, The Guardian was the 10th largest newspaper in the UK. And now, a decade later, We're one of the largest English-speaking news vendors in the world, with 160 million monthly unique browsers. And we offer our consumers a breadth of quality content. Uh, but perhaps what we're most famous for is our investigative journalism. And The Guardian has either broken or been involved in some of the biggest stories of our generation, and through which this type of work um, has a, a, sorry, our work has a profound impact on society. Now, one of the things that I love about working for The Guardian is that we're a purpose-led organization. And this purpose is codified in our values, which are integrity, honesty, courage, fairness, and a duty to the reader and the community. And so I feel fortunate. I work for a great brand that stands for something important, and I have responsibility for an area that I'm fascinated with in digital advertising. And we're pretty unique as an advertising business, too in that 80% of our digital display revenue comes from programmatic. And by virtue of our sophisticated buy side, we have a position at both ends of the ecosystem, which sets the context for some of the supply chain experiments that you might have read about. So if you were to ask me, how does your business feel about digital? My response would be largely positive. We have the largest, most engaged audience that we've ever had. More people are paying for Guardian content than ever before through our subscription, membership, and contribution programs. And in fact, we're giving our competitors who have paywalls a run for their money. And I would say that we've also got the best digital ad products that we've ever had. So there's a cause for optimism uh, and indeed positivity. However, I will also be upfront in asserting that today's digital advertising market is fundamentally flawed to the detriment of advertiser and publisher, which are the market's two investors. Now, let's look at this through the last 12 months in news. In November last year, the sleeping giant's Twitter campaign broke, a crowdsourced effort 
to call out the brands advertising on sites which promote hate and discrimination, and which identify Kellogg's, Visa, and BMW for placing their, brand, uh, placing their ads on Breitbart. In December, the world became aware of Methbot. It was believed that a group of Russian hackers were making between three and five million dollars per day by delivering fake video views to unsuspecting advertisers. In January, P&G's Mark Pritchard landed what Marketing Week said was the biggest marketing speech of 20 years. He called for the digital advertising supply chain to get its act together, describing it as murky at best and fraudulent at worst. In February, the Times headline read, Big Brands Fund Terror, calling out placements of brand advertisers along terror ads on YouTube and triggering a long list of high-profile advertisers to withdraw their ad spend from Google. In May, Facebook announced its 10th measurement mistake in as many months. In this instance, it emerged that video viewability stats had been mis misreported, and that little as 20% of views that had been reported to advertisers had actually been viewable. In mid-September, Critio made the headlines after a report from Gotham City Research alleged that their revenues were derived from fake traffic and ad fraud, which is a charge they deny. And last month, our friends at the FT made the news. They were able to buy their own video inventory from ad exchanges, despite there being no legitimate supply. The extent of the issue is such that they estimate that advertisers were spending around £1 million per month on fake FT video inventory. So we've got issues. Now, because I work for a newspaper, I can't avoid bringing current affairs into this. What we've seen on the world stage over the past 18 months is the triumph of simple lies over more complex truths. We've seen how carefully seeded misinformation has changed the course of world events. And off the back of which, the UK is leaving the EU and Donald Trump is now leader of the free world. The triumph of convenient myths over more complex truths is also apparent in the narrative of that digital advertising market. Speaking on behalf of premium publishers, we've never had better digital ad products than we do today, and which is a direct, uh, is a direct output of our heavy investment over uh, the last five years. Now, if you equate value with an ad being engaged with by a human eye and in a brand-safe environment, Ads purchased directly from premium publishers are three times more valuable than those that are bought in the programmatic long tail. And what's more, all of this premium publisher inventory can be transacted programmatically today. So what's the issue? Well, the simple myth that persists in our market is that it's legitimate and in fact intelligent for buyers to invest in a bucket of inventory made available via a secondary market, the ad exchanges and which is often justified by audience-buying narrative. The more complex truth is that buying from a secondary market is high-risk, and it's a Russian roulette approach to media buying. It's as a result of this type of investment strategy that advertisers are exposed to unknown tech fees and, through fraud, to organised crime. The secondary market is the point in the ecosystem where buyers and sellers' loss of control creates the vulnerability through which huge chunks of ad spend are extracted from between buyer and seller without the explicit knowledge of either party. A recent Arete research piece estimates that Google take between 30 and 50% of the overall programmatic transaction, which is quite extraordinary when the whole premise is that of efficiency. 
The secondary market is also the point of weakness through which fraudsters penetrate the digital ad supply chain. Now, the ANA estimates that fraud will cost advertisers $6.5 billion in 2017, which is equivalent to almost 20% of the total global programmatic market. Meanwhile, a recent WPP and AdLook study pegged the cost of fraud at £16 billion per year. And either way, it looks like a huge threat to the integrity of our industry. So why do advertisers continue to invest in the secondary market? Well, the dangerous reality remains hidden behind a cloak of opacity and layers of complexity, and on top of which, buyers are often incentivized to buy in this way. Furthermore, fraud has been configured to deliver results. For example, bot traffic is often highly viewable. Whilst it remains a complete waste of money for the advertiser, it props up buyers' performance benchmarks, a trap which requires the buyer to admit their historical negligence in order to escape it. The unfortunate truth is that the market has been stacked in such a way that it's far more profitable for buyers and intermediaries to transact crap than it is to support quality and investment, which remains really scarce. Now, I'm acutely aware of my bias as a premium publisher, but I would assert that this should be a genuine concern to our entire market. Programmatic technology and the art of buying crap which it has spawned, is why BMW has been seen buying media from Breitbart, and it's why Mercedes-Benz has placed ads around terrorist content on YouTube. It's also why P&G were able to reduce their ad budget by $140 million in Q2 without noticing any difference in their sales. So, for those of you in any doubt, this is a real issue, and the losers are quality publishers and brands the markets to investors. So what's the implication? This is a view of marketers' relative return on investment by channel from the media auditor Ubiquity, and which shows digital display lagging way, way behind all other channels. And it's no, dis no, no real surprise, given the extent of the issues that we've just talked about, because digital advertising has been overrun by hidden fees, fraud, and other destructive behavior. Now, as someone who's built their career around digital advertising in the belief of its underlying credentials, this has left me feeling pretty concerned and, in fact, affronted. Digital advertising is an investment market, and we know that investors act with confidence, on confidence even. In its current state, digital advertising looks like a house of cards. On which basis, it's time for change. The current situation is not sustainable for investors, neither brands nor publishers, and the issues that we've talked about leave digital display advertising in rather a precarious position. Meanwhile, the market is lacking responsible leadership. The balance of power and influence has sat with participants who are driven by the cracking whip of venture capitalists and their shareholders, but who lack any purpose beyond self-enrichment. So our position should be crystal clear. Driving change in our market is an advertiser's and publisher's prerogative. Now, over the past six months, The Guardian has been collaborating with a, with a range of large European media owners with whom we share a similar concern and an appetite for change. One of whom didn't sign off their logo in time. So they, the group is The Guardian with Axel Springer, Media Impact and Shipstead. And our shared vision 
is to redefine digital advertising, to catalyze its evolution from a fractured, opaque, and inefficient marketplace to a competitive ecosystem that delivers unparalleled value to advertisers and publishers alike. Now, we don't have enough time to go into all the detail behind that work, but I'll share some of our headline thinking with you. Today, AdTech wants to control our ad stack, whilst competing for our customers' ad spend. In short, publishers are being eaten alive from the inside out. Our belief is that media sales is our prerogative, and that technology should be a mere enabler. To progress, publishers need to restore control of their supply chain and ensure sovereignty over their revenue decisioning. Today, the digital advertising market is lacking the coordination, direction, and governance which is required to frame its evolution. Advertisers and publishers share a vision for a marketplace that is built on trust, transparency, and integrity, and which rewards quality. Digital advertising is in, is in need of responsible leadership, and I would add purpose. Publishers have, an opportunity, uh, ha have needs to have a voice which is as influential as P the P&Gs and the Unilevers at the other end of our value chain. And today, business models and misaligned incentives discourage collaboration in the Lumascape. Negative market behavior goes largely unnoticed and therefore without penalty. We believe that a healthy marketplace is built on collaboration and connectivity and that there should be economic incentive for positive business practice and a penalty for bad. Businesses in our community must demonstrate a form of social responsibility which they're held accountable to. Now, as I said, this is just a quick extract of the group's thinking, and which we will convert into meaningful action as our next step. Now, the challenge that we all have as publishers is making change happen, when we often feel like a tiny cog in a massive system that's outside of our control. And there's a nice turn of phrase that goes like this. If you want, if you want what you've always got, then you should keep on doing what you've always done. If you want change, you should change something. And so, change begins with you. For immediate impact, I'll give you three recommendations that you can take back to your business and through which you can unlock immediate business value. And I'll tell you that these have been tried and tested by The Guardian. So firstly, optimize your supply chain. Now, we've been working with our customers to pull our programmatic transaction data and so that we can map our shared supply chain. Now, this is a really simple and effective means to overcome the market's opacity, and also as a means to identify unnecessary costs and friction in our supply chain. Now, on top of that, we then use pricing rules to create tax-efficient routes for buyers, and which disincentivizes their use of more costly paths of spend. Now, in doing this work, we've increased our customers' working media by 30%, which means significantly more of their existing budget reaches our consumers. Secondly, publishers need to ensure their full and exclusive ownership of their bidstream data and to rebase their tech fees in transparent terms. Where ad tech's contracts are fraught with jeopardy and are usually painfully time-consuming to navigate, The Guardian has developed a standardized approach which lays out all of our terms of engagement for, our, uh, for any prospective vendor. The outcome is increased transparency and scalability and control and stronger partnerships. This effort converts directly into media revenue and higher yields. Over the past 12 months, this has unlocked 10% incremental net revenue to The Guardian, 
through programmatic alone. And thirdly, set the bar for behavior. Now, I referenced social responsibility in an earlier segment, and which must also be two-way. For The Guardian, this means we expect our partners to live by our values and to act with integrity, with honesty, with courage, fairness, and a duty to their community. Now, at £35 billion per year, the programmatic ad market is an investment market of immense scale. In the absence of formal regulation, it's on the community to incentivize good behavior and to attach jeopardy to bad. A great example is around ad fraud. Now, despite fraud being derided, we're yet to hear any real cries of zero tolerance from the middle market. And I suspect that's because zero, tolerant, uh, zero tolerance will cost volume and margin. The question we should challenge one another with is what the alternative to zero tolerance looks like. And I'd suggest there isn't one. So let's be clear of our expectations to partners, and specifically, zero tolerance to fraud and the business practices which breed fraud. So publishers need change, and so do advertisers. Together, we are the market. Publishers must collaborate to build a vision for our market that we're proud to be, proud to be part of and an industry in which we're proud to work. We'll know when we've achieved our objective when advertisers, advertise, uh, when advertisers' digital ROI has moved from back of the pack to exceeding that of TV, which, according to ubiquity, is eminently achievable. This is a future where the presence of ad fraud shifts from critical threat to marginal concern, and where programmatic technology finally delivers on its promise of supporting intelligent media investment with unprecedented efficiency. Now, if you feel passionate about this subject and you're on a journey or would like to join us on our journey, then please reach out. We'd love to speak to you. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Daniel. So some key words that I heard back there were Russian roulette, crap inventory, and house of cards. Very yes. bleak. Um, so the question is, whose fault is all this? It seemed like you were, you, you were sort of blaming the ad tech infrastructure complex, but you weren't. Yeah, and I think it's important. So there, uh, I, we want to be positive and optimistic in our message. That's how we feel. Um, and I think it's really important, if we stand a chance of realizing change, to actually confront the issues that exist in the market. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't shy away from these issues. Um, in terms of the, the question, if you could remind me, sorry. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? Okay, I think everyone has responsibility. But let's go top three. Well, let's, okay, so. <laughs> Publishers have responsibility over the inventory that they serve up and they make available to their customers. Um, and it's on them to police the quality of that uh, and to invest in that quality. Okay. The middle of the market, uh, so aggregators and ad exchanges, um, should have a zero, zero tolerance uh, policy to uh, ad fraud. Um, the challenge is ad fraud is tough to, uh, tough to uh, identify and to prevent. However, we should, we should be going after it with an axe and not a piece mm -hmm. of sandpaper. And that's one of the concerns that I think most publishers have in the market, given the extent of uh, ad fraud. And of course, buyers also have responsibility, uh, you know, not, not, not least on behalf of their customers, their advertisers, but to in invest responsibly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of work to do um, and a lot of complexity to navigate um, 
in order for that responsibility to, um, I suppose, to come to light and fruition. So do those second two, uh, the, 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 uh, the middle of the market and then the buyers, but do they have the incentive to take the axe to it? I think incentives are a, a very interesting issue that exists in the market. Um, and I think they're you know, all the way from the agency relationship with their advertisers. Um, there's significant issues um, in terms of you know, that balance between even quality and precision versus the delivery of volume. I think most, most uh, of the market is incentivized to deliver volume. Um, and we know that ad exchanges are under uh, significant pressure in terms of their business models. Um, and I suppose that does create a challenge um, when, it's, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to um, making big decisions around quality. But yeah. I don't think there's any alternative. I want to open up to questions. After this break, Daniel will take questions from the audience. Stay tuned. But right now, a quick break to tell you about Digiday Plus. It's our subscription product where you'll get the Digiday magazine, a lot of valuable research about the industry, and you will also get to be a part of exclusive member events and our Digiday Plus Slack channels where we hold town halls with industry leaders and innovators every other week. We'll make sure you stay on the pulse of every development in the industry. Please sign up. It's at digidayplus.com. It, this sounds like you're launching a kind of a new consortium of premium publishers who want to lead the way in doing things different. Uh, what are you going to do differently? And haven't there been other attempts like this among premium publishers, maybe one country at a time, to try to change the market, shift perceptions that haven't really gotten off the ground yet? So what's going to happen differently? Yeah, it feels like you're alluding to uh, you know, a formal alliance, uh, which this is not. Um, and, you know, we have a very, uh, we're committed to the Pangea Alliance. In fact, we've got some of our peers in the room with us today. And I suppose that is uh, an alliance through which we trade. Um, and I suppose this is a group of publishers who share those critical concerns and want to start making change. Um, so I suppose it's, you know, it's people who are thinking progressively, uh, I suppose, want to move away from the old world, but recognise that we have to create a vision for you know, something to move towards. And I think one of, you know, we, need to, we need to start carving off uh, you know, specific items, tangible, tangible items that we can deliver an impact, uh, we can deliver impact through. We want to move the market, um, and we have to do that in bite-sized chunks. Um, I suppose one of the things I've alluded to is around how we contract uh, vendors, uh, you know, the expectations that we set of others around us in our community. Um, and I think those are things that actually can be brought to life in a meaningful way that does start it, uh, to create change um, without uh, you know, trying to uh, establish this kind of um, you know, this mythical beast to move across to. Yes. Uh, there is a global um, initiative launched by the IAB, which is Ad.Text, yep. which I know the Guardian and the Washington Post and some of the other brands in the room are signed up for. But there is quite a low uptake in the UK publishing world. Why do you think that is to this, which is a, basically a transparency in the um, DSPs, SSPs that we all transact with to try and prevent this fraud? Yeah, so looking at the stats from this week, um, we've seen that the number of publishers um, triple um, in terms of their uptake of ads.text. Mm -hmm. However, there's some really significant properties that are not in that mix already. So it means that whilst around 40% of publishers um, are uh, using ads.text, only about 25% of uh, ad volume is verified uh, by ads.text. So there's, there's still some way to go. However, we are beginning to um, you know, approach the 50%. Um, mark, which I, th which I think is yeah. really positive. Um, so ads.text, uh, you know, that is a mechanism um, 
to help address the issues around ad fraud and also reselling. Uh, but I think we should also, and which we're really supportive of, um, however, we should also recognise that that is you know, a mechanistic fix for a problem which is derived from humans um, and their appetites for profit. Um, so I think we need to be quite careful around our expectations of ad.text. We should be supportive, and I'd urge other publishers to adopt it. Um, however, um, let's not shy away from the, you know, the, the issues that are, are driving it. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for a really fantastic presentation. I think The Guardian are being really pioneering about pushing this message because it's a clear and present danger to our business models. So I think that's uh, what, what you are leading here is really important. My question actually is, of all of the work that you've done over the last 12 months, what have you seen the most success? So what are the kind of success stories? Because it feels like you're trying to move a juggernaut here. What, what are the kind of one or two top successes you've seen? Yeah, I, th I think we've touched, I touched on a couple there, and maybe I can elaborate on those to, an, uh, to a greater extent. I mean, the, the work we've done around our supply chain, um, I think is kind of one of the biggest and most satisfying pieces of work um, you're talking about, uh, I suppose, trying to map the flow of millions of pounds through you know, what wanted to be a black box, um, and where we've been able to work with some of our largest customers to actually help them understand the realities of programmatic, which they find, found eye-opening. Uh, and, and one particular customer um, who, as a result of that work, um, actually went to um, audit all of his technologies. Um, and found kind of, I suppose, other things in his ad stack uh, that were of um, really significant concern. So I think that's a great example of where we've made a difference to our business uh, and hopefully kind of inspired others um, to kind of start shining a light um, and to uh, you know, derive value through that um, as well. And that's a really important piece of work. Not only, you know, it's great for publishers, um, but it has a direct impact on advertisers, uh, you know, working media. Um, and helping un them understand you know, the, the proportion of their spend that hits the back of the net for the first time. Right. Cool. Daniel, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Okay. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. To learn more about our summits, visit digiday.com slash events. For exclusive member events, sign up at digidayplus.com. And we'll be back soon with another episode.